0: welcome back to Canuck's Talk here on Sportsnet 650 Jamie Dodd Thomas Trance live from the Connex studio 650 650 is the Dunbar Lumber Text line Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Centre or our in Vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com I was uh, I was out about out and about in the world the other day and uh, heard the Fleetwood Mac song that this, I don't want to say based on, but maybe bears some similarity to. No, say it. Say what based you chose. Based on, om- this, song, this song is paying homage to. Uh, it came on and I was like, I felt like I was starting a segment. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Was it normal Fleetwood Mac that came? Yeah, on? no, it was. It, it was, was the uh, yes, chest Yeah. Yeah, yes. exactly. But I was still well, no, so similar. It's I, so similar, but I was like, oh boy, I gotta I gotta do my read here.
1: <laughs> actually, it's funny. What a Pavlovian reaction. It's funny to you it. say this because somebody was watching Ted Lasso and that scene came up that's from the intro.
0: Uh, and it was like in ear room. He's like, is the whiteboard is starting? What? what? That's actually really funny. That's good. Um speaking of. The whiteboard and that scene from Ted Lasso. Uh, we couldn't do it in our first segment because of the crossover. Let's get into the whiteboard. All
1: right, now, fellas, and hey, let's focus up.
0: Huh? Uh, it's your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, February 28th. And uh, by the way, I just want to say, when it comes to the whiteboard, uh, accept no imitations. I know, I know the uh, the afternoon show, and I see jo- producer Josh Elliott Wolf here. I'm just gonna say it. Well, they finally... Stick with the original real deal, the whiteboard, Sorry. for
1: your daily isn't there original, deep dive. Isn't there original the menu? I, well,
0: think, I think the menu has been taken off. It's well, been 86, as well, well, they say in well, the well, restaurant. I wonder why that one didn't work. It, it has been 86. <laughs> That's good. That's real good. Much like Porsche, there <laughs> is no
1: substitute. Very good. Very good. Um, Much like Ethereum... <laughs> Yeah, man, <laughs> it's it's more stable than Bitcoin. Crypto
0: Dom over there, Dom Coin. Yeah. It's pegged to the dollar. It's like, what? <laughs> it's environmentally friendly. Uh, anyways, we'll get into it here on the whiteboard, starting with the headlines. Which, of course, the Canucks lose four three in overtime to the Penguins after giving up a two nothing and a three two lead. Uh, Eric Carlson doing the damage finally in overtime to secure the win for the Penguins. And look, we've spent, we've talked about this a little bit already throughout the course of the show. Canucks played really, really well in the first. I thought looked much better, looked much faster than the Penguins that faded consistently as the game went along. They, they played their best hockey at the beginning uh, and then pretty much were on a downward trajectory after that. Rick talk focusing on, you know, Hey, it was sloppy detail stuff. Some guys look tired out there. We need some individuals to up their game. There's some guys that are just okay. It's been okay for a while. So not reading them the riot act, but making it clear that he's seeing mediocrity and wants more than that.
1: Yeah. I also thought the JT Miller quote, if we had the mentality that we were going to win, we could have killed them in the second period. First of all, that's just great copy. I like and anytime I can include killed them <laughs> in a quote, I'm going to use it. Um, but yeah, I thought the, you know, the idea that some guys are just okay, it's been okay for a while um, was telling, right? And then and mm-hmm. then the note, you've got to contribute, and if it's not goals and assists that you're getting pucks in deep, good old PID, and being good defensively. Um, you know, the Pedersen line, it was so interesting because they had maybe the best shift the Canucks have had all year on the Hoaglander goal, and certainly a, a, top, a bottom five shift
0: Mm, on the Lars the Eller, Eller game Eller triangle. Way.
1: Yep. Um, just sort of an inconsistent game from that from that line, ultimately. And look, I just thought the Vancouver Canucks lost the plot in the third period. Uh, really, aside from a couple silly mistakes in the second, I thought they were really good for 40 minutes.
0: And, you know, that I do, I, 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 that third period was inexplicable to me. I do wonder... Because I think the most concerning thing for me from this six game stretch has been the idea of composure, right? Whether you look at it, mm. look at it in the Minnesota game where bad calls go against you, maybe or calls you're not crazy about, but it spirals, it snowballs from there. You don't have, you're not able to regain your composure even in the Minnesota game in the third period when the temperature gets turned up. There's more physicality. The Jets are maybe looking for calls. How do you respond to that? And I wonder if even last night fits into that a little bit right whereas you said okay hey you are up to nothing now it's 2-2 or it's 3-2 but you're you're not in the position where you thought you should be some bad mistakes cost you in the second do you let that snowball or do you find a way to get back to your first period game in the third and instead as you said it feels like they just kind of uh they lost the plot which for me is another way of saying they lost their composure like that's what composure is is not losing the plot in a game i that's the kind of thing too where Look, I, I haven't been you know waiting for the other shoe to drop on this Canucks season for a long time now because they've shown so, many, so much real improvement in terms of their defensive play. But the composure one is one that kind of lurks in the back of my mind a little bit. The idea of the shoe dropping, though, like, I haven't
1: been waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of thinking that this team was going to have some dramatic reversal of fortune, mm-hmm. you know, 2014 Leafs style. But when in the halcyon days of November and, and December... You know, w- one thing that I sort of kept saying, and that I think we are beginning to see play out, is what's going to happen is this team's five-on-five shooting percentage will normalize a bit. The bounces will fi- stop favoring them to this dramatic an extent, and lo and behold, one hundred point, point seven PDO since the All Star break, and the margins will get tighter. And I do think that's what we're seeing. We're just seeing Canucks go up two nothing. They're not getting the deflection goal or the unscreened rush a shot goal that puts them up three nothing, right? the penguins claw back they get the quick answer but they don't get the 4-2 goal Mm. and you know i I think there's some of that some of that offensive punch that like additional secondary offensive punch that this club has got especially from the bottom six earlier in the year i think as that's evaporated you're seeing this team play in more close games and when you're playing in more close games they're more liable to go get away from you i I think that's why you're seeing this team you know what, what they went Almost 30 games before dropping a, a result in yep. which they led after 40 minutes, and now they're five three and two or five three and one, after, when leading after 40 minutes uh, since the All Star break. I mean that's a that's a pretty dramatic reversal, even if it's still a team. That's picking up and accumulating points at a, at a sufficient rate to further entrench themselves atop the Pacific Division.
0: The bottom six is, I think, a really good point because I mean, how 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 much time do we spend talking about the Garland blueger Joshua yeah. line? It was so absolutely crucial. massively missed. If you're not getting standout performances like from that, like from that, uh, like that from the third line, excuse me, you know, that's really going to impact the team. I think we are seeing that. I think there's an element of. Man, they would sure love to have Carson Soucy back in the lineup for sure uh, at this point. And I do wonder, again, you know, as I brought up earlier in the show, how much the desperation gap is playing into this at this time of the schedule as well. Just in terms of headlines, we should mention uh, JT Miller all over the ice again. Another really big game, including a highlight reel shorthanded goal and a JT Miller chant. At Rogers Arena that, uh, unfortunately, JT Miller was too locked in on what was going on on the ice, apparently, to hear. All right, those are your headlines to the broad sheet. uh, Not a ton to pass along in terms of rumors and reports today. You know, Rick Dollywell saying he's still hearing the Canucks. Very, very in on Jake Gensel, but it's going to take an awful lot uh, to acquire him. I mean, look, they still have Ilya Mikheyev in the top six. It's not as if you can't see the need for a player like Jake Gensall.
1: Well, the Pedersen the Pettersen minutes played with stat is all you need to know. Right? Um over 150 minutes with Lafferty Kuzmenko McAv. Well, mm-hmm. that's a team that needs to upgrade. Um, you know, that said, the Joshua absence I think has really shown a spotlight on, you know, this team's need for more size up front too, mm-hmm. right? The, an additional Middle six guy with size, to me, is is sorely needed as well. And then last night, too, uh, the only thing I'd add, like, man, I really struggled to come away from that game and watching how Pittsburgh was able to forecheck against the Canucks. uh, You know, I I struggled to come away from that game and not think, man, I
0: still think they need just a little bit more push from the back end. So I'll flip this around. Uh, You asked Bukla a version of this question, but I'm going to do it instead of a multiple choice. I'm going to do an either or. Mm -hmm. Jake Gensel or... Middle six, but really more like a third-liner guy with size. Like Greenway? Greenway and Carrier. Let's say a Carrier. Oh. So Gensel, just Gensel, or so basically the one star, star piece at the top six, or the kind of two farther down the roster, but really check boxes for the team.
1: Yeah, uh, Gensel. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, I do think that's uh, especially because Lindholm hasn't exactly found his groove off the hop. I still think just an additional piece of, um, you know, dynamic goal-making in this lineup is is sorely needed. Uh, let me give you the stat. 35 goals. 35 goals for the Canucks in 12 games since the All-Star break. That's 2.92 per game. Mm-hmm. It's 19th best in the league. Like, that's a below-average offensive team. And and that's kind of consistent with what their profile's been like for most of the year. It's just they've run so hot. Uh, especially with you know that that five man unit that they've occasionally trotted out, uh, playing with Hughes and Hronik, Besser, Miller, and and basically anybody, but especially Elias Pettersson. You know, aside from those, aside from those minutes, this team struggled to generate, and now it's kind of beginning to be an issue. Even though their five on five conversion rate has remained
0: elite. Uh, other thing I wanted to pass along in terms of rumors and reports, uh, Greg Oshinsky at ESPN publishing his big trade board uh, player rankings of guys who could move. Jake Gensel comes in at number one. Uh, some of the relevant reporting here on Jake Gensel. Uh, Which says there are some around the NHL who believe it's a done deal that Gensel will be traded before the deadline. Dubis's news conference did little to dispel that notion. I says, but an extremely high asking price, and he says, ESPN's Emily Kaplan reported it was two first rounders or a first rounder and a commensurate player might discourage teams there are those who believe that an extension for Gensel could still happen so that's some of the latest on Jake Gensel his status uh, Chris Tanev by the way comes in at number 6 on Wish's trade board and mentions that uh, there could be as many as a dozen teams interested in acquiring Chris Tanev and yeah Chris Tanev does seem like kind of the ultimate what team doesn't he fit on which team wouldn't be thrilled to add Chris Tanev at the deadline Busnevich or Gensel Ooh, I think Gensel. I, I get the Bucinovich has the next year and the size. Yes, I just really like Jake Gensel. Yeah, he's. I really, really like Jake Gensel. Me but Bucinovich is like a quote-unquote fallback option. Would be pretty awesome too. Like one of those guys. The fact that he might be on the market, I actually do think is really interesting because it, before there wasn't really the second option to Jake Gensel for that type of player. Bucinovich kind of fits that mold. Yeah, yeah.
1: So the size thing. The size thing makes me at least. At least think about it, even though I think Gensel's overall like the the more impactful driver.
0: Yes, I get it. I'd still go Gensel. Yeah, but uh, Bisshoppage would be fair pretty enough. interesting. Pretty interesting. Um, okay, on to the lineup notes today in the whiteboard, and uh, so no change at forward after the loss and the Canucks practice today. By the way, at Rogers Arena, no change at forward, but as you mentioned to Buchla, a switch up on the blue line. Now we'll see because sometimes we have seen. Rick Tock and the coaching staff try things on a practice, but then for the next game, which for the Canucks is tomorrow against the Kings, uh, they kind of revert back to a a different configuration. But here's how they lined up on the blue line at practice. It was Quinn Hughes with Noah Juleson, Ian Cole and Tyler Myers, uh, Nikita Zadorov, and Philip Hronik. So Cole and Myers stick together, but Juleson and Philip Hronik switch places. And this is interesting for a couple of reasons. I mean, one... As you mentioned, does the coaching staff look at last night and say, you know what, we can't put all of our puck-moving eggs in one basket with Hughes and Hronick anymore. We need to switch it around, and does that have a trickle-down effect to what the – or a trickle-up effect to what the front office might want to do at the trade deadline? The other part of this is, you remember early in the season, we spent a long time being like – Maybe let's see Ronick kind of be the best guy on a pair. And we haven't seen that for large stretches this season. I wonder if we get uh, how much of a look at it we get now with him and Zadorov.
1: Yeah. I just think you ri- run the risk like this team's primary engine is, is Quinn Hughes and Ronick, right? Like the Filipronik Quinn Hughes minutes are so decisive, mm-hmm. um, you know, I went through that exercise last week where I, I took a proxy for each Canucks forward line. So Miller, Patterson, Garland, and I, I use Niels Amon because everyone else from the fourth line, whether it's Di Giuseppe spending a month with the Miller line or Lafferty spending, you know, 200 minutes with Patterson ha- has bumped up at some point. So when you look at it, like the Canucks only have one line that's driven play without Hughes Hironic together. It's, it's the, the Garland line uh, over the course of the season. Um, they fundamentally alter the gravity of the game whenever they're in the lineup and to separate them is to risk that. Mm -hmm. I I I find that difficult to square with the idea that this team will be at their best necessarily uh, with that alignment. That said, you know, if you're trying to protect your defense from, you know, at least with effectively Hughes-Huronic on different pairs, you spread around your puck moving. Right. Hopefully make yourself a little less vulnerable uh, against the forecheck, which which, in my opinion, shaped the outcome of last night's game, allowed the Penguins to turn the game in their own direction. And guess what? The Kings are a totally different animal Mm. (laughs) in terms of pressuring your puck carriers than the um, than the Penguins are. So is that a reactive or like a uh, one of those Is it kind of an opponent specific adjustment for this King's game? Yeah. yeah. Or, or or especially given what you saw last night, what mm-hmm. Talkett saw last night. Noted post game by the way, that the, the club struggled to beat their layers off the forecheck. So uh it's an interesting one, but I don't think long term this team's going to be at their best without Horonic and Hughes together unless you find a, a Hironik proxy, someone who can at least be like an Ethan Bear level puck mover yeah. on Hughes's right side.
0: Yeah, the other interesting thing for this uh, about this to me is, as you said, like Hughes and Hironik have been so good that sometimes when we're talking about which forward lines are performing, we're actually talking about who spent the most time with Hughes and Hironik. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And I'm curious to see. We're you. also not used to
1: it in this market yeah. because we've we've been through West Coast Express. The Sedine line, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lotto, the Lotto line, Patterson yeah. and Miller independently, you know, like even even the guard, like we were used to forward lines cooking. What we've never had is a defense bear cooking like this. Not only that, best defenseman on the planet right now, mm. uh, just completely shifting the game every time they step on the ice. We're, we're just not used to covering it. We're not used to watching it. But that that has been, in my view, anyway, sort of the most important powerful engine that's driven
0: Vancouver yeah. success to me that's an interesting subplot is like okay how do the what forward lines are out there most with Hughes what forward lines are out there most with Hronik what does that impact look like not just defensively not just beating the forecheck although that's all tied together right you got to beat the forecheck to get going uh, on offense but it's they've been such an offensive driver and it's like forward lines have benefited so much from it who benefits if anyone or does that impact kind of drop off uh, with them split apart and of course They might not stay split apart. We'll see how they line up at uh, at Morning Skate and warm-up tomorrow against the Kings. All right. Uh, On to the playoff. Oh, by the way, just another quick note. Power play units still split up. One of them remained the same. Suter, Garland, Besser, Miller, Philip Pronick. The other one, I guess the same personnel because the Myers thing was kind of a fake out, and Hoaglander was there, but just a little bit of a different look on the other one. Lindholm at the net front. Pedersen on his his uh, weak side flank, so not his one-timer downhill side, downhill side. Hoaglander in the bumper. Baines on the other half wall. Uh, and Quinn Hughes running the point on that one. So same personnel, but just a little bit of a different uh, formation there on that 1B power play unit. Playoff forecast. Now this I find actually really interesting because the Canucks, they lose last night, but they still pick up a point. Edmonton didn't play. The single point actually improved the Canucks division chances slightly per Dom decisions model from 71% up to 75%. So not even that little, right? No, that's a relatively, relatively significant move. And to me, that's another reason why I'm probably less concerned than a lot of people coming out of this stretch, because you look at what actually matters in terms of the standings they're still in a really, really dominant position. And what that says to me, the fact that their chances of winning division actually went up, unless they're like actively collapsing, unless they are in active free fall, they basically just need to run out the clock on the Oilers. The fact that the Oilers have gone 500 in the last 10, like basically coinciding uh, with the Canucks. Yeah, is the door open a little bit? Sure, but the Canucks are in a really, really strong position as it relates to the division. It may have
1: pertained to, to LA dropping the regulation outcome. To the Flames, mm. right? Because there's like, not that the Kings have been lingering with like a good shot, but, but as they like fall a tiny away, bit, yeah. as they fall away. So it's probably a couple things working um, in, in Vancouver's favor there. Yeah, I, the Oilers with the dropping the two regulation outcomes while Vancouver beat Boston, came back to beat Boston this weekend, I, I do think changed it from where the Canucks can play well and still lose the division crown to now the Canucks would actually have to hit their own divot yeah, that, that gets prolonged. I will say, though, like you play another eight games of 500 hockey here, the door will
0: be open, Mm -hmm. right? Like they do have to be better than 500 at least to truly leave no doubt. That's true. They're going to have to pick it up at some point, but I just think it's still very like they've built themselves such a cushion, right? That you can afford to have this little stretch. You don't want it to last till the end of the season, certainly. But you're even at a point where, you know, a, a disappointing result can actually improve your chances a little bit. Uh, Brendan Bachelor just tweeting out Rick Tockett has said Carson Susie is seeing a doctor today and they're hoping for good news. Joshua will see the doctor later this week. All right. So there you go. Line up a little bit of an update from Rick Tockett. We've had a lot of people texting in about Carson Susie. They really miss him. I think he's going to be huge when he comes back into this. I and, mean, you know, Dakota Joshua as well. We see the impact. You talked about it uh, in terms of. Um, how small the forward group can look with Dakota Joshua out of the lineup. And I also believe that they actually ticked up from 109 point projection to 110, 110 with the results. So a dead heat with Winnipeg, both teams projected to finish with 110 points atop the Western conference right now. Yeah. Canucks will be able to put the
1: Oilers to bed here. So long as they play like a 90 point team or so the rest of the way. So should be all right. Um, Just want to bring up friends at play now sports have put together an interesting, this is, this is good, an interesting special for people to wager on. The bet is effectively uh, concentrated on whether or not Quinn Hughes, sorry, Quinn, oh, Hughes. Quinn Hughes, Elias wow. Pettersson. What do they know? <laughs> whether Elias Pettersson will remain a Vancouver Canuck or whether he'll be traded. Now here's the exact way that it's phrased. Will the Canucks trade Elias Pettersson before the start of the 2024-25 NHL season? It's an Elias Pettersson trade special. Market will be settled based on whether or not the Canucks will trade Pettersson before forward. It notes, by the way, because there's also... <laughs> you have to be careful, yep. right? Canucks could trade defenseman Elias Pettersson uh, before the start of the 2024-25 NHL regular season. Novelty betting rules apply. Yes! is set at 2.5, no, 1.4. So no is heavily, heavily favored. Right. But yes, has the steam if you want to buy yourself an emotional hedge position.
0: No is heavily favored, but not that much. Like, like, what, it's what's like the a implied
1: probability there.
0: 60-40. Woo! Like, that's a little spicy to me. It's getting a lot closer to 50-50 than I think a lot of... Than if you'd ask Play Now to run the odds on this in uh, October... I think sure. It would have been very different before the boat interview or after. <laughs> after the boat interview, after the boat interview, before the uh, the optimism spike. I can't wait
1: for him to announce his future on a boat. On a boat. The boat. The boat.
0: Um, the odds sunk after the boat interview. He's gonna. Aww. He's gonna. Wherever he g- ends up, maybe it's here because we're a coastal city. He needs to get in on like a boat sponsorship deal.
1: Would you it's s- that sea taxi that you can take across Falls Creek? <laughs> the, the, aqua- the, the, water- Aquabus? the Aquabus? Is that what it's called, Aquabus?
0: Yeah. I don't know if they have the cash for an Elias Petterson
1: The fact is is that the boat interview has propelled this all all season long. So Elias right. Pedersen in a paddle boat? It's left in its wake a ton of speculation. That, that's better.
0: That's better. I prefer that one. Of, it's uh, buoyed our show. <laughs> <laughs> Big swan. Uh, somebody texted in... Um, who is looking for our first round? Ra- who is looking like our first round playoff matchup? Probably the Kings right now. So there's so much unsettled. It, it's it, like L.A., Vegas, or Nashville. I guess would be the other potential favorite, right? They've kind Seattle. of pulled. They've pulled ahead. Don't um, sleep on Seattle in the uh, in the Western Conference playoff picture. So those are one. Of the, those are the teams you're looking at, and they play L.A. for the first time tomorrow night. Well, yeah, that's so much depends too, like whether you beat Winnipeg or
1: right, or whether you end up. Beating the Central Division champion—that's the big one. That's gonna that's gonna matter a ton. And then, obviously, who sneaks in to that eighth and final spot? In Thomas, tear your uh, playoff destinations. T- oh, Seattle, number one with so much ammunition—it's wild. Are you kidding me? I would love to not fly. Like, I would love to just get in my car and drive up and down the I five. Seattle, number one with a bullet. L A two, Vegas three. Calgary four, Minnesota five, Nashville uh, six, St. Louis. You're Still scarred by getting stranded in Nashville. That's that's the thing. Like Nashville, if I have to go to Nashville, I'm flying through Toronto like Mm. every
0: time. You know what I'm saying? Like that's miserable. Um, All right. Well, thank you for getting some tears in there at the end there, Dom. That's uh, that's the whiteboard for today, February 28th. That's also the end of our show. We're back tomorrow on a Canucks game day. They play the Kings. Keep it right here on Sportsnet 650.